Hello and welcome to another episode of Checkpoint, the podcast highlighting and telling the stories of influential leaders in and around the sports industry. Today, we're excited to welcome our next guest, Steve Noodleberg, to the show. Steve is currently the principal thinker at On The Ball, and more importantly, I'm fortunate to have this thought leader as an incre- and incredible human as a mentor, a coach, and I'm lucky enough to call him my uncle. Steve is a student of the sales game, and for as long as I can remember, he has been at the intersection of sports and marketing. Whether it was building relationships with the professional sports teams while at ABC Technologies or at On The Ball Marketing, Steve has had the ability to navigate through the sports world with a finesse, creating opportunities that others just didn't have the ability to see. Steve's lineage in sports doesn't stop there. Both of his sons went on to have decorated collegiate coaching tenures, keeping him in the sports world, even if even as he started to transition the business elsewhere. If this episode is anything like Noodleberg family dinners, it's going to be full of stories, nuggets of wisdom, and lots of energy. Steve currently lives down in South Florida and all over LinkedIn, but for the next 45 minutes, he's here with us on Checkpoint. Steve, my man, welcome to the show. How are we doing today? Scotty, that was absolutely tremendous. I'm not sure the show's going to get any better than that introduction. So, uh, Oh, man. Uh, it- fantastic to see you uh, doing what you're doing, passion, smiling. You know, you're, um, you, you make me very proud. Well, and this is a humbling moment for me. You know, we're going to talk about a ton today from, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit to the sports world to, you know, what's going on in society today as it's changing and how cool to, you know, take a moment and reflect back on my career and do it with one of my mentors uh, that, you know, without you, I don't know that I'm sitting here having this conversation through the screen. So um, really humbling moment for myself as well. And, uh, you know, for all you first time listeners, uh, if this is your first episode, buckle up because it's going to be a doozy. But, um, you know, what we're going to do over the next 45 minutes is a true checkpoint. We're going to start to understand Steve's story, uh, how he got to this point in his career. And based on all that experience, where he sees the world going. So, um, Steve, we're going to go all the way back to Brooklyn, New York with Poppy and Stan. And uh, let's dive in. So who is Steve Noodleberg? So, um, again, just got to say, thrilled to be here, thrilled to be able to share my journey. So I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, you know, dinner tables you spoke about at the dinner table. This is what was talked about. This is by osmosis. I just absorbed all of that. And then as I went through and started to become a teenager and a young adult, I realized that I had that burning energy, that passion to do something on my own, to, you know, get out there. And, 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 you know, for most people, I would tell them that I was unemployable because I didn't want to listen to somebody else who didn't have my passion, didn't want to have my drive. And so I figured I could do something on my own. And I did, and I have, and I've done it over and over and over again. And, you know, my road to success has been filled with failure. And that's when I stand on stage and tell people that they, oh, they go, what do you mean? Then, you know, well, you know, it was every single time I tried and I got knocked down, I learned something that helped me get stronger and stronger. And so I've been through it. I call myself a doer. Uh, you know, I think the, you know, a lot of people get on these podcasts and they start talking about stuff that they've never done. I've done it. I've done it really well. I've done it really poor. And both ways I learn 
and take it and I built my process. And so, you know, regardless of the category, the number one takeaway for me has always been the people I've been fortunate to know, meet and call friends. And so I've always lived a relationship type life and not a transactional life. And wouldn't you know, those are the keys to success right now, for sure. Yeah, no, I think that's really well said. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, like some of the uh, you know earlier guests that we've brought on the show have been, you know, from Brandy Chastain to, you know, Super Bowl champions. And, you know, so much of that starts with the mindset, right? These folks knew they were different. Um, theirs just happened to be on the soccer pitch or the football field or the tennis court. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, as you were going through your early days as an entrepreneur um, through high school in Hollywood and then leading up to Gainesville, did you always know, like, like, hey, I'm a different kind of professional or at what point in your career did you sort of realize that you were you were a little different there? That's a good question. You know, so I knew based on how it made me feel, um, I knew that I was into the people. You know, I was into, you know, bringing energy and passion and giving of myself to other people. And I knew how that made me feel. And I was like, wow, this is great. Well, as I gravitated more towards the entrepreneurial and sales side of things, sales culture then was, oh, don't give a shit about them. Just dive in and sell them something, you know? And I was like, well, you know, I didn't, they're not really a fit for me, but I like them. They're friends, you know, and sales culture was made that bad. And, you know, that's where I knew I was different. I was like, wait a minute, man. You know, I can meet five great people every day, and I knew that those would be pieces of inventory in my life. I could learn from them. You know, I could uh, enjoy life with them. Many different takeaways than just that transaction, but the way people are managed in that space is all about what you do today and how many calls and how many, you know, no personality, no accountability to anything beyond make me money. So I was different. That's why I teased that I was you know, kind of unemployable because I wanted to break out on my own and say, wait, there's a different way here. And I think then, and I'm sure of it now, that people do not buy from people they don't like. It's just they don't do it. So to me, it is a popularity contest, but filtered with what's good for me. Like if I like you, that's a really quality at bat. Well, that's not how the sales world looks at it. And so um, I've been fortunate that people I met 40 years ago still know me, still desire to be around me. And now that I'm sending the elevator back down and sharing all the things I've learned, they're like, dude, we knew it all along. You were that guy that was genuine and authentic before genuine and authentic was cool. So. Ah, that's a that's a great answer. And, and you know, I want to give you all the credit for that. But just like every great professional, there's mentors, there's coaches along the way that um, you learn those behaviors from and then you put your own spin on it. And, you know, I know from, you know, back at the dinner table, Poppy would come up all the time and, you know, you wrote a book about him. Uh, I would love for you to share some of those nuggets of wisdom that, you know, Poppy, when he went back downstream with the elevator, um, that you still hold on today that ultimately shaped, you know, the career that you ended up having. So um, he's uh, he was a special human being. He was, uh, a, the, he was an entertainer in his own right. He just made people around him feel better about themselves. And that's a gift that when you can give that to people, you know, and make them feel important and make them feel treasured and really listen to them. And so I got to watch him do that growing up. 
he did that, you know, shared that with my dad, my dad and my grandfather both shared that with me, but the style in which they trained me had no softness to it. They were not looking to give me a trophy when I didn't earn the trophy. And so they broke my balls, man. <laughs> they like they made it really, really hard, you know, to the point where I was almost like, I don't care if you're my grandfather, I'm gonna kick your ass, you know. But I but I learned, and then he said something to me that really changed my life. He goes, I love you with all my heart, and everything I do for you, when I knock you down, you're gonna get up stronger. That's what I'm here for. And I was like, um, wow, you know, like. I hear was me like, you know, taking it personally. Well, it was personal. He took the interest to do that. And so, you know, as I grew through my career, I recognized hard love and, you know, retail training in general was fantastic. There's a void in that because it taught me real time to be in front of somebody and how to start a dialogue and keep a dialogue going. I think the younger generation misses that. Retail is terrible right now. Why is it terrible? Because the experience is awful. The people who are working in retail don't know how to build a relationship. They're on the phone, they're chewing gum, they don't really want to engage. So all of the good stuff, all of the magic in life comes from the people you engage with. And so I grab the brass ring every day. I meet people, I hear their stories, and I love that. And from that, I think you earn the right to talk about what you do for a living and I've been doing that my whole life. So people would ask me like, wow, you're really, you're, you seem different. Like, what do you do? I never pitched anybody anything. They said, what do you do? And how can I help you? And I was like, listen, here's what I do. Here's how I do it differently than everybody else. And so basically it has nothing to do with the product or service. It has everything to do with you, how you show up, you know, how you execute. And by the way, we're talking sports and marketing. It's the same exact thing. You know, people with a lot of great talent in sports that don't have heart and don't have discipline, don't have process, they don't go far, you know? So, you know, it's the combination of understanding who you are, what drives you, you know, being, a, you know, for me, I've lived under three L's, lifelong learning. I want to have aha moments every day where I see something and I go, wow, I didn't know that digest it, internalize it. And, and everybody has something to offer you if you pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. That is very true. And, and, you know, one of the interesting correlations here is, you know, like you are a professional in every sense of the word, you just didn't do it on the field. Right. But it's interesting to bring you on and hear and see the correlations between your foundation and, you know, a Super Bowl champion and your foundation and somebody that made it to the you know highest level of their sport. And I think there's a lot of parallels there when you talk about, um, oh. you know, just this burning desire to, to be at the top of your game. And that, you know, that, encompasses so many of those intangibles that we talk about. So now that we start to understand the foundation of who you are, some of your mentors, how you got here, let's take a dive into, you know, one of your first entrepreneurial ventures, right? So you come out of Florida and if I'm not mistaken, ABC Technologies, this was right at the, uh, the onset of cell phones. And then you sort of got into sports that way. Is that right? So, so I was in the phone business early on and to me, you know, I never really understood phones. I understood how to build business. So yep. that's a, you know, that's what, you know, so I didn't care what we were selling. I told all of my guys that time, uh, at that time, 
I go, listen, I don't want you ever talking about a transaction with a phone. I want you to get in and earn the right to be one of the people they call when they're ready to make a decision on cellular technology. And they were like, wow, I could do that. So all day long, they were meeting new people and say, you know, when you're ready, here's who we are. When you're ready, here's who we are. When everybody else was trying to jam a sale down their throat. So we laid the groundwork for what ultimately became a huge company. I wound up exiting and um, all of the, the way the cellular phone business, you know, basically unrolled to people or, or, or you know, it was all about athletes, doctors, whatever, you know, those were the, the people buying phones. So I was fortunate to meet a lot of athletes. We did in South Florida, we worked with all of the sports teams, you know, uh, I, I, you know, so whoever it was, you name the celebrity, Don Shula, Pat Riley, those are people who were clients of mine in the cell phone business. Um, you know, it just kept rolling my network of, of athletes and I was fortunate because I didn't get goo goo ga ga around them. I admired them. I respected them. I just had lunch with Lewis Oliver. Lewis Oliver was a Gator um, safety. He played uh, for the Dolphins. He knows me for 30 plus years. And Mark and I had lunch with him. And he was saying, he goes, you know what? You were one of those guys where you lit up the room when you walked in. Like when you came in the locker room, people knew that you were something. You were like in your own skin. You were, you weren't trying to bullshit and, you know, and I was like flattered by that, but that's, that's how you program yourself for success is show up and be comfortable and be confident. So when I exited the business, you know, people had always said to me like, wow, man, you're really on the ball that, you know, like you do great stuff. Right around. And I was like, how would make a great name for a company that would make a great name for a company. So I was fortunate that when I exited, I took a year off. I spent a year with Mark, which is, he was five. It was the best year of my life still to this day. And then I said, okay, I, I got to do something. I got all this energy. I called a buddy of mine with, who owned a magazine. I said, do me a favor. Can I steal your graphic guy for like an hour? Sure. Sat with the graphic guy, told him what I was thinking. He came up with a logo for on the ball sports marketing. I made one phone call that was to Don Shula. I said, I'm doing this thing. Would you allow me to be part of your world. He said, yes. And the rest is history. So we had a tremendous track record of working with teams, with athletes and businesses, creating synergies on how they could leverage sports and entertainment to grow their business. I did it for my own. All I did was share that with people. Most people thought sports marketing was tickets and signage. And that's just the exterior. When you get in and integrate it into a company culture, Lots of great things happen. And so we had a pretty good run as a sports marketing company. But again, the best thing for me was not the volume of revenue that we did. It was I got to work with people who I learned from every day. You know, when I looked at um, Don Shula and I looked at uh, Mike Ditka and I looked at Dave Wanstad and Nick Saban and all of the people that I've been fortunate to know, Junior Seau, some, you know, Byron Scott. I mean, look at some of the players uh, that were really important to me. They all had a process. They all had a system of how they operated. Here's what I eat. Here's how I think. This is what I do. This is how I practice. And it became obvious to me that in order to be successful in any walk of life, you have to have a process. You have to be the CEO of your own life, you know, because then you set goals and your actions, your behaviors 
align with what you want the outcomes to be. And so I've yet to meet anybody in life that doesn't practice. So when you talked about being professionals, those guys were professional athletes. I'm a professional business person. I have a system. I, you know, it's what my book is all about is what I do. And I've been doing the same thing for 40 years. <laughs> you, know, you see my emails at three o'clock in the morning, but that's what it took to be better than everybody, to be the best I could be. And I was getting the results. So, you know, I think this is very a, a true alignment of sports and what I do. I think teams that watch the scoreboard lose all the time. You know, look at the teams that have been ahead at halftime and then they forget to play the blocking and tackling because they're caught up in the, oh, well, we're ahead. You get knocked off all the time, you know? Well, oh, the Atlanta in, Falcons? Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? They have never recovered. That team nope. has never been anything since then. So, you know, you look at the power of that. So I'm a fan of behavior. Behavior dictates outcomes. In sales, it's activity-based behavior. What am I doing to get to those outcomes? The sales culture and the business culture is all focused on outcomes. Here's the revenue we want to get, and you missed it or you didn't get and They don't look at what it took to do that. And I saw that in coaching. Don Shula every day had people do things. Pat Riley has people do things that position them for success. And you see the Miami Heat in the playoffs. They're a perfect example of culture of doing the right behavior because it creates the right outcome. That's exactly right. And, and, you know, we were talking about this before we got on the show, but, you know, uh, a lot of people don't really understand. We'll just use the football metaphor. What happens Monday through Saturday, who those people yeah. really are, the process that takes place. We just want to criticize what happens on Sunday and then wait six more days to do it again. And so, uh, you know, I was curious as you were building the business and you started to get in the locker rooms and, you know, one person that sticks out to me is John Sally. You know, you speak so yeah, highly of him he's and he's, he's amazing. But but did you feel your game? being elevated by choosing to work in the sports industry and surrounding yourself with those folks that were operating at the highest octane day in and day out? Um, yeah, that's a, another really good question. Um, you continue to impress me, Scott. Thank you, oh, for, thank you for teeing me up with good questions. So I think in life, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. That's just a truism. When you get around elite athletes, it blows that quotient out of the water because it's, you know, these are people who are highly committed to being effective, you know? So however their operating system is, um, so it would be just being around sports gave me um, so much exposure to that, um, so much exposure to the excitement. Look, you know, uh, I got to watch them on a stage, a global stage, do what they did. You know, there was nobody over my shoulder going, Hey man, you messed that one up, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. or yelling that I should get fired, you know. I mean, so you know the parallels end when you're in business and you really have to be accountable to yourself. The sports world, you're accountable to the world all the time. You got people who love you and hate you, booing, throwing things at you. You know, that's not true necessarily in the business world. And so I was able to take that and be very grateful that my road, my path to success was in building successful businesses that could withstand all of the challenges, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like people say now with the pandemic, oh, these uncertain times, I'm like McFly 
<laughs> when is it? When is it ever been certain? certain? <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, I have no certainty. You know, I mean, so you know, while the pandemic was bad, I think it was unbelievable because it shook up the world and said, "Hey, the way we've been doing stuff isn't working anymore." People were lazy; they were taking things for granted. The economy was bloated and over um, overrun. This is a reset that athletes know how to do that when you you get forced to reset you know when as the game changes you know you you have to roll with the you know and you see new players and you know adopting and so i think it's the same in business it does not stay the same but if you bring that mentality to it um the eye in the sky don't lie so you watched film all the time you watched your performance Salespeople never practice sales professionals never practice they just yeah. show up and throw up, you know, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I watch the film. I have daily accountability, daily activities. Like when you had a practice, you didn't just randomly go around the field and do whatever you wanted, man. It was oh, but I did. I was a punter for everybody who doesn't know. So <laughs> we'll just say 50, 50 for me. But, but even still, you know, what, what's really, what's really fascinating is that when I would watch a practice and the bullhorn or the, the whistle would go, people would rotate to another activity, yep. you know, and they did it really fast. And well, it's the same thing in business life. You're not doing the same thing all day. If you are, you're going to get run over. So moving to different stations is really what successful salespeople do. Yep. What's all the things I need to do in a day and go through them and create routine and habit. And but I think a lot of people get stuck in the thinking part and what, you know, rhythm and routine does for you is takes all the guesswork out. You just pay, put all your effort into execution. And when it works, just like on the field, it's magic. It's fantastic. Yep. It, it getting in the zone, right? Like, I mean, and when you're able to I get there through that. repetition and repetition, you don't have to think about it. Now you just, you know, you can at least start to predict what your con contribution to that game or to that business call is going to be. So I think this is really interesting, right? We're starting to understand your foundation. We're starting to understand where you made your footprint in the business world. Now, one of the interesting things that we're coming across, Steve, as we're talking to successful folks in sport is transitions. And this is something that folks have a really hard time with because, you know, especially when you get to the highest level in your sport, there are seasons and then there's end of career. And then there's sometimes a cliff that people fall off of. Now, I've been fortunate to be a part of this transition into the digital world with you. And I mean, we could speak for hours about that, but I'm curious, have you been training yourself through some of those transitions? And if there's a failure that sticks out to you that you've learned from, do you mind elaborating on that for us? Um, well, so there's lots of failures that I've had, miscues, uh, investments in, uh, in ideas that I thought would be amazing that weren't, but I think paying attention um, to everything that's going on around you. So social media landed on the planet. You know, I was in my 50s when it started to get, you know, and a lot of people that were 50 said, mm, it's not for me, it's for the kids. I was intrigued. I think the number one thing that has made me successful, and I have a whole list of things that I call in my master's degree for sales, one of those was being insatiably curious. I just was curious. I was like, wait a minute. Okay, there's this social thing. And LinkedIn was a recruiting tool. And I said, well, wait a minute. My whole life, I've been recruiting relationships. So 
what what happens if and i just got curious and i spent the time learning and experimenting it and you know 80 or 90 percent of the population has no idea what to do with linkedin it is the number one you know marketing you know marketplace where you know a place where you can market yourself well most people don't really knew that they're still trying to do it the old way is okay i've showed up can i sell you whatever i'm selling which is ridiculous yeah um, so i was fascinated by the thought behind what linkedin was i was fascinated by this thing called an algorithm which i'm not a technical guy i never have been and i don't want to be when i was in the phone business i never used i never knew how to use the phones i knew how to <laughs> put them in people's hands that needed it same thing here, I, like nobody knows what an algorithm is, but when you learn what the algorithm is capable of doing, understanding behavior and then making suggestions, I was like, okay, this is worth paying attention to. So six years ago, I paid attention. I did it, I got in. I made lots of mistakes. I made posts that I would be embarrassed to do today. But you know what? That's where the learning was. You know, yeah. nobody hops on a bike and goes, all right, I'm an Olympic you know, <laughs> cyclist, it takes time. You learn, you, you skin your knees a little bit, but we are faced with an opportunity where we have unprecedented access to the professional community in a relevant way. What does that mean? That means you can connect with people on things that you have in common. We have football in common. If that, if I did not know you and I wanted to meet you, we could have a whole conversation about football. My boys are in it. I'm a big football fan. I work with football coaches. You played football. We would never, it would take us a long time to get to a sales conversation or a business conversation. But when we did, it would be received totally different. Scotty's my boy. I love this guy. He's great. Oh, and what do you do for a living? Oh, you do that. Well, that's not for me, but here's three other people that I can introduce you to who that might make sense to. That's how you build a career. That's it, not a job, a career of helping people do what they do best. So I've never sold anything in my life. People have bought from me and I'm willing to look at those people from 40 years ago. I never did anything to anybody I wouldn't want done to me. As an entrepreneur, I made some decisions that cost me a lot of money because I had to make something right, but it was the right thing to do. So all of a sudden your integrity starts living in front of you. That's what people talk about. That's what people share. Your reputation lives longer than any sale or anything. And that's why I get referred all over the place. That's why I built a career speaking because everything I spoke about, I did. You know, when you talk about people who get in front of an audience to train or to speak, if they didn't do it, I don't, I'm not interested in listening. You know, whatever you learn from somebody else, would you get in the car with somebody who never drove the car? <laughs> never. <laughs> never. Like, absurd. So why would yeah. you listen to somebody who's telling you what to do with your business and they've never done it? You know, so so I'm in a unique position that I I was very curious. I learned a lot. I'm a I read a lot. Um I, I am con I don't read a lot of books cover no. to cover, but I read a lot. I take stuff out. And interestingly enough. It's the 25th anniversary of Zig Ziglar's book, See You at the Top. Now, imagine 25 years ago in my career, so I bought that book. 
And I heard who Zig Ziglar was and I dug it and I'm reading it again. And it's so in my DNA that he said, the elevator is broken. You got to take the steps. Here's the steps. First one is self, you know, self-evaluation. Who are you? What do you think? You know, you have limiting beliefs that don't allow you to, to see yourself as winning. You know, you look at great athletes, they see themselves catching the pass, kicking the kick, doing, you know, that's what great people in life do. So long answer. Well, it's no, it's a great answer. And, you know, we just had Chucky Akobe on who was on the Super Bowl uh, winning Steelers team in 0506. And, you know, when he was at Purdue, he talked about the, the coaching changes freshman year and how the culture changed. And he said, Scott, I knew I was a pro athlete before, you know, five years before I was even in the pros. Like I, I knew that's I operated at that level far before I was even a pro athlete. And he goes, that's the through line is people that know they're supposed to be there. They know it well before the day that, you know, draft day comes around. And I think that, you know, you, you fall in that bucket there. And so on the theme of transition, right? Because, you know, we sort of, now we understand where, you know, how you're handling them on the ball just went through a huge transition though. Right. And so I would love for you to, you know, fill the listeners in on what the company's focused on now with Mark taking over as president and really where you guys see this going over the next six to 12 months as we continue to embrace the digital era through COVID. Uh, awesome. Um, so before I get there, I just want to bridge the conversation by in order to be really, really good at whatever you do, you have to understand what skill sets you need to be that good. And if you're not that good, you can learn those skill sets. One of the things I needed to learn to be great in the business world was to understand rejection. You know, rejection sucks. I mean, who would get in the, the sales world knowing that seven out of every 10 things they do are going to fail? You know, that, mm. that you show that to somebody, hey, if you're a punter or kicker and you say, listen, I'm only going to hit three out of every 10 field goal attempts, you ain't going to be a pro, you know? Yeah, don't sign me up for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in what I do and what I work, how I work with people is understanding the numbers. Okay, you're going to have to put a lot of shit against the wall and most of it's not going to happen. So you need to change your focus onto the things that happen not the things that don't happen. That's discipline. That's like getting in the gym and building that muscle. When you build that muscle, the world's your oyster. You can move and pivot and do anything you want because you already understand the game. There's always a lot more failure in the beginning of every business. So, you know, we've been fortunate. I pivoted from the, you know, the shoe business with my, my dad and my grandfather to the clothing business. I was a rep in the clothing world. Um, I moved from that into the phone business, had a really good run, you know, went to that into on the ball sports marketing. And then the sports world kind of caught up to what we were doing. Teams started to get better. Events started to get better at the sales side. So we sort of pivoted and became a business incubator. We were always ahead of the curve trying to do what the audience wanted, what's happening in the culture. So interestingly enough, you know, all along we were teaching people or showing people how we did what we did. It didn't matter. There were lots of sports marketing companies. People enjoyed the experience of working with us. Well, wouldn't you know, somebody popped their head out of the sand and said to me, hey, listen, we pay speakers and trainers all the time. My team's not, you know, resonating with them. Why don't you do it? And I was like, well, I don't really do that. I build my own companies and, you know, and he had me do it for a hundred bankers. 
the presentation I wrote for that actually turned out to be the first iteration of my book, Confessions of a Serial Salesman, which is, it's just 27 rules for leaders and influencers. If you follow the rules, if you get a playbook, if you don't learn the playbook, you don't play. <laughs> this is my playbook that allows me to transition and somebody else put me on that road that says, you have a gift for helping people get better. Wow, no surprise, both of my boys are coaches because they are passionate about helping them get better. So when Mark decided to leave the, the coaching world, I was already on the path of sort of semi-retirement. I'm living in Palm Beach. I wrote my book. I'm speaking. I have a few coaching clients. And then Mark says, I want to leave football and get into the business. And I think people will really enjoy this story because I said, look, you can't come right into business. I don't want you to work for me. Those days are over. I said, what I think you should do is I'll help you get a position in sales so you can learn the sales world as a doer. I'll train you the whole time and then you'll know when it's right to come on board. And when you come on board, you're going to have to write me a business plan of how you see the company moving forward. And I will bless that and I'll be co-pilot and I'll coach you the same way I do other people. And sure enough, that's the way it played out. He was at ESPN for a while. He did great. You know, he was different than all the other people. He knew that. He saw that. Other people reacted it. So he came to me and said, I'm ready. He wrote me a knockdown, beautiful uh, business plan about how he could digitize what we do. So we'll, we'll be offering two ways to help people. Um, and, and our help sort of lands in four buckets. Mindset time management but really it's calendar management you learn that you know teams in sports that manage the clock well win same thing in business you got to manage your clock well um modern tools that allow you to do what you do better which look at the environment we're in now this wasn't available three years ago now it is that's a tool to help you grow your audience from your audience you'll get people who stand up and say i want to buy and then the last thing is you matter. Whatever you are, somebody is attracted to you, to your DNA, the things you love, you know, so you're not going to be, you know, connected to everybody, but I do this all the time. I say, listen, if you, if you're, you know, passionate about wine, you could do business with everybody else that's passionate about wine because you'll be connected about wine. The business will come second. And that's the biggest shift in business that we are going to continue to shout at the top of our lungs that you matter. You matter more than the logo you represent. And that's what will last forever. And if you build that, um, it is a gift. It is a legacy. And man, it's never been more fun to be in this uh, sales world. Yeah. I, and, and I can only speak from it. I've been, you know, I was passively along the ride, you know, early on in my career. And then I've been, you know, riding shotgun for a while now. Um, this guy is a true doer, right? So everything you're hearing on the screen, um, it, it's not just lip service. It's it's a reality. And I think what's really cool for all the athlete listeners, athletic administrators, I mean, look at you might think that what Steve is talking about is just for business. Uh, but the reality is, as name, image and likeness continues to go downstream into the collegiate athletic world and as athletes in high school are going to have opportunities to earn in 2020 and on, it's not about who you know, it's about who knows you. And so the principles that Steve teaches, I think, can be applicable to all 
to everybody, especially athletes, because it's going to be more important that you start to develop holistically and maximize why you have that platform. So I think the synergies are uh, or the parallels there are are one to one with what you're teaching and what the industry needs um, in the professional world and in the sports world there. So and what what key takeaway from being an athlete is, which I do, I just turned 60 years old. I treat my body like a temple. I work out. I have a trainer that pushes me. I have a coach that pushes me and holds me accountable. So everything I tell other people to do, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid too. I do it. You know, my trainer kicks my ass, but he takes me to a place I can't do on my own. It's what great coaching is. And those, um, you know, we, we just were on a uh, a conversation with Tiki Barber that was amazing. And Tiki had a moderately good career until Sean Payton showed up in his life. And he said it, he goes, Sean Payton made him who he is. Um, and so it made warm my heart when he said that, because that's the value that guys like me and, and my son, Mark do. We're looking at your blind spot. We're holding you accountable. And, uh, our passion to make you better and see people stand up and do great things is really the best reward of my life. I've never had a better time. And it's what the world needs right now. You know, obviously 2020 has dealt us, a, a, you know, for playing poker, five different suit or four different suits and, you know, no pairs. I mean, it's just been an absolute shit hand. And, you know, what you guys have been able to curate in the morning huddle, um, it's genuine. It's authentic. It's it's what people need. And I think it's a really unique way to humanize a lot of the technology and a lot of the tools that we have been, you know, been putting you know, in front of our face. And so, um, you so know, this I, is I really... I use this story, which is, is really important. Um, Michael Jordan got cut in ninth grade. You know, yep. he didn't allow someone else to dictate his career. He said, oh, shit, I got to work harder. Nobody talks about the work that Michael Jordan put in. Watching Last Dance gave us a little glimpse of that. But it's the same thing in life, man. There's no silver bullet. There's no theories and buzzwords. There's real hard work. And most people are looking for the shortcut. There's no shortcut. You got to do the work. Yep. No, I, I appreciate you putting that in there because that's the truth. You can't replace that. And so, you know, I mean, it's no coincidence that on the ball, your coaching, your speaking is through the roof. People all over the social sphere are learning about the Noodleberg, the, the Steve-isms. And so it's really, <laughs> it's really quite cool to see uh, from the onset of when you started that to where you're at now um, and only big things on the horizon. So as we start to wind down, Steve, going to shift to something a little more personal here. Um, okay. you know, and so one of the things that we've been talking to, to a lot of our guests about um, you know, is shedding some experiences that they've had that they would recommend the listeners do or experience in their thing that you've done or experienced in your life that you would recommend they do or experience in theirs. What would that be and why? Could you repeat the question just so I make sure I get it clearly? So if you could if you could shed light on our listeners and tell them one thing that you've done in your life that you would recommend they do or experience in theirs, what would that be and why? Wow, that's a that's a tongue twister. That's one that I, um, what would you do? So um, I would uh, do what I call a personal big think. I would assess your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities and your threats it's an exercise that businesses have done for years. We suggest you do it personally 
because if you find out what you're good at and you pay attention and become great at it, your life changes. There, drop the mic. I don't know if you stole that from Gary Vee or if that's a Steveism, no, but man, that is that is some good that is some good advice right there. And uh, yeah, what you got for me? Because I don't well, want to well, stop, man. We could well, you know, we so could go back and forth. It's just interesting. People say, you know, well, I'm going to spend my time training on my weaknesses. I don't believe that. Whatever you're good at, you probably love doing. Get great at it, and you stand alone in the pack. You know, incremental getting better at things that you are weak at, you probably are weak because you don't like it. You have no passion for it. So, you know, I learned this early on in my career. Do what you love and the money will follow. And that is by design. That is not by people telling you what to do, how to do it. One of the problems with high school counselors is they push people into categories. Well, you know what? Explore find out what you love, get great at it, vice versa, work in that lane and your life aligns in a way that you can never imagine. And then it comes to you. You don't even have to go get it. It comes to you. So, Well, well, for all you listeners, I mean, if you've been tuning into some of the earlier shows, you know that one of my mantras is, you know, the more I become successful, it gives me bandwidth to reach one and then teach one. And Steve is a pure example of doing that. He's living it. He's breathing it. Um, I highly recommend if you're looking for an accountability buddy, a coach, or just a great place to start your mornings that you reach out to Steve. Um, where can they find you on social media and how can they get in touch with you if they want to learn more? So I was blessed with this last name, Noodleberg. There are people who, <laughs> <laughs> people who actually ask me, they go, is that really your name or is that like a stage <laughs> name? I go, it's really my name. It's a, it's a brand that you won't forget. And so basically anywhere on, on social media in that universe, I make myself available, which is another key to great, you know, pe people want to get great, make yourself available. I'm, you know, I'm not, you don't have to search for me. I'm there and I answer all of my own email. I answer all of my own stuff on social media because I want to be connected. I want to be real time. So uh, the spelling of the last name is N-U-D-E-L-B-E-R-G. We do the daily huddle, the Noodleberg daily huddle, every morning live on every social media media channel you can have, um, you can find. So um, reach out. You know, I'm I do virtual coffees. I've been doing them for years. And people are like, what is that? I go, you have the coffee, I have coffee, and we're in the screen, and we're doing what what it would normally take years to get together and do across the uh, you know across somewhere else. So anyway, it's really cool, and and so this will be the how we sign off, but for all the listeners, if you make it to this point in the episode, just know when you reach out to Steve, if you don't send a message, there is the wall of shame and the wall of fame or in the hall of fame. And so if you do reach out, be sure to include a personal note that you heard it here on this podcast. You will make the wall of fame. Um, Steve, on that note, man, this has been an incredible 45 minutes. Thank you for everything you've done for my life and big things on the horizon. So from check and checkpoint, thank you so much. And for all you listeners, until next time, be sure to check yourself. Steve, thanks again for coming on.